uh, a lot of good employees will not join even after saying yes. Customers will not convert even after saying yes. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, right? You will not survive if you're not unlocked. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Move podcast. And if this is your first time on the show, we are a podcast that share the stories of impact and change in India. And today I have Ayush Jha with me, who's the founder of Clerico, who are on a mission to make sure the air that we breathe indoors is actually clean for us. Like who would have thought that the air coming out of my AC actually might not be good for me? And Ayush's story is amazing. It's a story of starting off as a lawyer, moving on to starting different businesses and iterating till he felt he got to the point where he needed to be. So I'm really excited to share your story. Ayush, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here. Excited to have you on, man. Let's get started at the beginning of your story. I saw you went to college to be a lawyer. So was that your plan? So yeah, mistakes happen in life, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I went to a law school. Um, I realized a little early that, you know, this is not what I want to do. Um, so I, I've always been into cars and bikes. I, so I'm, I'm a major autobot. So I, and I used to read all the magazines and blogs, etc. So I thought that this is probably what I want to do in life. So I start and I started helping my, uh, a lot of people I know who are trying to buy cars and bikes. I started advising them that, you know, this is the one you should buy for your budget, et cetera. So most of them were basically my dad's friends who are you know, buying cars, et cetera. So, so I thought that, you know, maybe probably I can make hundred, 200 bucks for each advice, right? If, if I'm good at something, why do it for free? Right. So, so yeah, I thought like, let's make 200 bucks with, with each car transaction that happened. At that one time I had no idea what a platform is if the transaction can happen here and what can we do? How can we make more money with it, etc. Nothing like that. So just, just a, you know, a college kid trying to make a little bit of money on the side. So, so how did the ball roll? You're giving your, your dad's friends advice. You're taking a little bit of money, but then you, you were like, okay, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to, you know, put aside this lawyer thing that I don't like. I'm going to start yeah. this company called Think Wheels. How, how did that get going? And what did the company eventually actually do? Right. So, um, while I was helping a lot of people with their car purchases, I realized that, um, there are possibilities to have actually have a business here. There's a possibility of having certain cash in. Um, I didn't know that we could make money by selling auto insurance as well, by selling car loans as well. Uh, apart from, you know, taking a cut from the dealership while selling a car. Um, so all of these things combined, a transaction could be as big as say, you know, 10, 12,000 rupees per car. And, and remember, initially I started off with thinking that I'll make 200 bucks out of it. So, so that's, that's when I realized that we can actually make a business in, in this space. Uh, after college, I actually joined a company as a lawyer for a while, just for two months. And, and then I quit and, and, and we started Think Wheels. Um, so something great, which happened when I was working there in that company, I was working at Thomson Reuters for two months. And that's when I realized that we should aim at B2B because the number of transactions with each customer can be much higher. So Think Wheels was actually a B2B to C company where we had a platform within the internet of a company where all the employees can just give us their car worries. If they want to buy a new car, buy insurance, sell it, 
you know, get it serviced, whatever issues you might have, you can just outsource it to us. So, so that, that was the initial business model. We worked on it for a year and a half. Um, we went through a, a cycle of ups and downs, obviously, like any other business does. Um, I realized that this is not something which I want to do uh, throughout my life. Um, I could make a good lifestyle business out of it, but I was not an ecosystem enabler. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, that's when we realized that we should move on. Wow. So, so you, you were doing well, like the business was actually achieving what you wanted to achieve, but you just said one day, you know, I'm not enjoying this kind of like, I guess what you did with your, with your college degree, you were like, this is not what I want to do. Was that why you shut the business down or you just, you, it wasn't going according to plan. So yeah. So a couple of, so yeah, if everything would have gone according to the plan, uh, things would have been very different. But in life, at least in my life, nothing has ever gone according to the plan. So, so, so yeah, I realized that, you know, this is something which, it's a small game. Uh, I didn't want to play that. I wanted to be an ecosystem enabler. I wanted to actually have an impact on, 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 on larger things. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I realized what I do is not satisfactory. This is not what I can do forever. And if I don't like something, I am not good at it. I, I really don't do it well. Mm. So was there one particular thing about it that you didn't like or was it because it's a pretty big decision to make right to you know stop continuing with a business or was it like you just said this is not me the whole thing wasn't you. So yeah so uh, a lot of our transactions were happening in the used car market and mm. I was in I was in NCR I was in Delhi. Uh, I'm not sure if you, if you know about it but used car market is a difficult market to be there. Um, uh, a lot of organized players have launched their businesses, but everyone's struggling yet, you know, even after raising more than 100, 200 billion dollars, uh, very few companies are still able to make some sense out of it. Um, so, so this is what I realized earlier that this is not the market where, um, you know, a good impact can be had. I realized that we should exit and try and do something else. So I, I, I did what a lot of people now must be doing with, you know, with the COVID-19 lockdown. People go online and start some courses, do some courses. So I was on Coursera. Something really interesting happened after that. Um, I, was, I was doing a course on how to scale businesses because that was my experience. I was not able to scale it into different cities. I was not able to make it bigger and not able to have a bigger impact, as I said. So I was doing this course on, uh, on Coursera, how to scale businesses. And uh, there was uh, a colleague of ours, a, a student from Russia, and uh, they wanted to have this connected car business and they wanted to launch in different countries in the world. And uh, so just in a course, we started talking and I said, okay, let me make a presentation. How can we launch in India? Because I understand India's auto market pretty well. Um, let me see if we, you know, we, can, we can plan this. And if this works, we can probably launch in other Southeast Asia uh, Asian countries in a similar way because overall the structure is relatively similar. Um, so I said, okay, let's do it. And and, and when we when we actually presented, um, this person realized that okay, we need to partner with Ayush and we could probably launch here in India. And so we did. So so I became CEO of Brightbox India through Coursera. Wow. <laughs> in the history of businesses. <laughs> I don't think that's happened. That is yeah. amazing, man. So like, how did you get started? Now you're the CEO of this business who's starting up in India. Uh, what do you do? Like, uh, how do you get going and, and how did it go? Yeah. 
So this is 2014, right? Um, 14 end or something around it. So that's when, you know, internet penetration wasn't very high. Um, the number, the IoT was obviously mature in terms of technology, but, but the spread or adoption was fairly slow. Uh, so that was the time when a lot of car OEMs, auto, auto OEMs realized that we need to have connected cars. And in India, we had zero uh, adoption yet. None of the cars at that point in time had connected features, not even the German ones at that point in time. So this company did exactly that. This was basically, they were making a platform for uh, different players to latch on to the telematics. Basically, this helps a car to be connected, which can help different companies. Like, for example, an insurer can understand the risk level of a driver. There's a possibility you might be a better, smoother driver than I am. I might be a rash driver. So my premium must be higher compared to yours, right? So this is how an insurance company can make sense out of it. A garage can make sense out of it. If they get to know a part is not working, they, they can call the customer and ask them to come over and so then they can replace that part. So, so that was that is something which I wanted to do, right? Have like have a big impact on on you know on the entire auto industry in India. So, so I thought that this is extremely cool. Let's let's launch in India. So I started speaking to a lot of different players. We we went to Maruti, we went to Hyundai, uh, we went to SBI uh, Insurance, we went to a different a lot of different guys. Um, the initial traction was just not happening. This was um, way before um, uh, you know. The time was, uh, we were a little ahead in terms of uh, technology at that point in time. Not a lot, lot of players uh, truly understood the need to have this. But if you look at it now, uh, you know, a regular 10 lakh rupee car is also connected. Say, say a Hyundai venue has, you know, connected car features now. So in the, in the first six months itself, we realized that this is a little ahead of its time. We should probably come circle, circle back in the next three years. Uh, wow. Yeah, so, so we said that, you know, let's let's roll back let's not well that, that's actually like really incredible because you know you hear of this a lot of times timing is so important for so many businesses because yep. you know you had this idea that everybody is doing right now but yep. if it was just a few months later you know or maybe a few years later it could have been huge and you know i, I love the fact that i really i still can't get over the fact that it all started from coursera, coursera. <laughs> um but dude so so after this six months, you're like, man, I did this first thing and it didn't work out. I'm doing the second thing. I love the idea, but people are just not receptive to it for some reason, even though it is the future. And now you're moving on to another idea. What was that idea? And what were you going to take into that next business from knowing what you learned in previous ones? Sure. So um, while we were, uh, we were doing what we were doing, we were speaking to a lot of car dealerships, et cetera. Um, I, I learned about a company called Auto Ninja. Uh, they were making CRM solutions for car dealerships. Um, I, I got connected with their co-founders to understand how has how do they sell, what is the pricing, how do you, how do they reach out to the customers, etc. Um, just to understand how has their experience been, right? Because even CRM saw as a software um, had zero adoption in India at that point in time, right? So what were they doing different that they were able to sell software at least? Um, to, to do these dealerships. Um, so uh, after a couple of meetings, um, we were just out uh, uh, and the founders said, you know, we're actually thinking of launching something called bumper.com. It's going to be a B2C company. Um, it's going to be after sales. I said, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to take care of service? Are you, they said, we have no idea. We have no idea what we want to do. Can you join? Because 
four of us don't have a lot of time can you join and 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 try and frame an idea can you research and understand and understand what do customers need what is that itch that we need to solve for so that's how i joined bumper.com we the only thing clear was the name everyone loved the name and we had no idea what the business was going to be uh but what we managed to 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 actually have a a good business it was india's at the time india's biggest uh, chain of auto body repair say a scratch or a dent on the car um we we were doing decent scale in bangalore it was a saf uh, venture partner venture funded startup so we're doing pretty well okay okay so bumper is solving the problem basically in india everybody i talk to always says if they have a car dude i just got scammed so badly because i went into yeah. you know repair my bumper or i went into repair whatever is in the car and they're saying yeah. i had 30 other problems with the car yeah. and they fixed it yeah. without needing a solution so you guys were kind of making that a little bit more transparent right you were solving that problem absolutely and at a scale uh, we are doing it for the masses right uh, and and we're doing it with exceptional quality excellent uh, customer uh, service which is not there in the in the auto market yet we were able to build trust trust is by far the biggest problem in the auto industry that's just only because there's no uh, entry barriers and a lot of players are there and some of the players and do not have the best practices so trust was by far the biggest problem that we had to solve for and we did and we did we did in a fairly decent way we had a decent scale uh, i was okay. responsible for the entire supply side of the marketplace right so we have the garages they're they're working on time they have enough labor they have all the infrastructure was my responsibility because of which arman i was traveling a lot within the city in bangalore itself with bangalore traffic there were days when i was driving 100 150 kilometers uh with bangalore traffic Whoa. yeah so because i was driving too much um i realized i used to have headaches i used to feel uh, i was i was not perfect when when i was driving so much in the car um so when i thought about it i realized that it could possibly be because of the air inside the car because when i stepped outside the car after some time i started feeling better so it was when we were moving in the traffic so that's when i realized that when are we you know open to most amount of pollution or air pollution when you are in the road when you are in the thick of traffic that's the worst time right where else can you be uh, where you have higher pollution so let's let's think about it let's think about having a service or having a product that could clean the air in your car uh, that's that's what i you know thought of a clayco at the time could be <laughs> wow so idea so that's when i realized that i need to do this full time i need to jump into it talk to different people what is your problem etc for the next 6 months and figure out the problem so so clearco this idea is in your mind and i completely agree with you sometimes when i'm in cabs and i have the ac on and i just like i'm like this air is not clean like yes. there's no chance but if i put down the window the air feels even less clean because you're breathing in that smoke yeah yeah so you you have this idea and you're just like you know again i i love this about your story because you just keep moving on Did you ever feel like, you know, maybe I should just join a company or did you always have it in your mind that I want to start something? Arman I said a little earlier that you know if I don't love something I am not good at it. I'm actually pretty pretty horrible. I'm way you know uh, below average if I'm not good at you know, not not enjoying something. Mm-hmm. Um so it's very important that I do something which I really like. Uh 
it's not important if I'm having my own startup, it's my own business, or if I'm employed somewhere. I should really like what I do. That's important. Mm. Uh, and, and, and if I see a problem, uh, if I see an opportunity, I'd like to work on that. If it, has, if it has a big impact, I'd love to work on that. Okay. So now you have this idea and wh what are the first steps to actually get going to validating the problem and to putting out the business model? Yeah. So the first thing we should do is just speak to your prospective customers. So I spoke to a lot of people who own cars and who drive quite a bit in, in Bangalore. I spoke to a lot of people at Ola. I spoke to a lot of Ola drivers, I spoke to a lot of people. And I asked them that this is the sort of product I want to make. It's an air purification system for the car. Would you buy it for say 10,000 rupees? Would you buy it for 5,000 rupees or whatever with different features? It can be smart, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, to my surprise, people were not okay. They didn't want to buy it at that price. So again, I'm stuck. I've left my job at Bumper and I'm stuck here. I, have, uh, I thought that, you know, I'm actually on a gold mine. <laughs> but I realized there's no point of making the product because people don't want to buy it at the price that you need to, for, to in order to have a sustainable business. So that's when I started, you know, talking to a lot of people, a couple of investors. They advised me, why don't you look at real estate? See if, you know, um, say offices would want air purification. Um, you know, a regular business would have an air purification. So I thought there are air purifiers, which, you know, uh, an office can use or say, say, uh, say a bigger building can use. Why, why do we not, you know, why do they not buy that? So I spoke to a lot of facility managers after that. That's when I realized it is extremely expensive, Arman. Say, for example, for a one lakh square feet building, uh, you know, if you need to have air purification, it will easily set you back by, you know, two, two and a half crores. It, it's very, very expensive. Uh, so that's the number one reason. Number two reason is that till now, there was no sense of urgency to have air purification yet, right? In the last five years, we've started learning about, hearing about this in the news. Otherwise, before we never really, this never really came up. So now is the time when, you know, like, like we were talking, timing is important, is when, uh, I realized that we should talk to realtors, see if this is, this can be, you know, interesting for them. Uh, incidentally, at the same time, I got into an accelerator program called Brigade Reap. Uh, that's, that's where, you know, the perspective really changed. That's when I realized the scale of this problem. And if we are, if we solve this right, the impact it will have. And, and that's where the story really started. So you, you get into the accelerator and you start doing more testing and seeing, you know, do companies want this and, and did they want it? Because how are you going to be different than the people that were currently playing? There was, you, like you said, it's very, very expensive to equip yeah. all your air conditions with this. Yeah. So how is your product going to be different and make sure that it's a lot, lot cheaper for businesses? Right. So, uh, I also touch upon the B2C side of it because at that point I was confused if I should go, you know, the B2C route or B2B route. Um, so at the same time, my father got really sick. He was in NCR at that point in time in Delhi and he got really sick because of the Diwali pollution there. Um, so we realized that we have to buy an air purifier. When I bought an air purifier, his problem still persisted because we realized that we need seven of these for the house. And that's expensive again, right? So if you look at the same thing and if you try so if it's the same scale, if you look at say a gym chain or, a, or a, say something like a McDonald's with their chain, if they want to have air purifiers across, it's, it's very, very expensive, right? So, so these are a couple of interesting things that I that realized that um, people are looking at, at the wrong way. 
in the US, a lot of uh, HVAC players are experts with air purification. In India, that was lacking to a great extent and still is. The adoption right now because of COVID-19 has obviously increased many fold. But, but say a year and a half back, it was comparatively slow. So things were very different. At the accelerator, they, they really helped me understand and focus at the right thing. One of the first questions at that point in time, which my mentor at the accelerator asked me, are you who's your customer? And I did not have an answer for that at that point in time. So that's where, you know, accelerators early in, you know, early stage really, really matter massively. So your, your, uh, your dad had the issue because of Delhi pollution, which I can tell you I've been in as well. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah. And you, you bought these air purifiers and you were like, this is too expensive. So is yeah. that why you ruled out B2C or what was the reason why you immediately went over to B2B? Uh, there were a lot of players in B2C. And the other thing is we need to understand the market maturity right now at the B2C level. Um, if you look at what happened with water purification adoption in the late 90s, is what is going to happen with air purification. And is, uh, that's what's happening now. Obviously, because of COVID-19, the adoption will increase, the speed will increase, but still it's going to lag. At that time, your hotels, your office spaces started you know, buying into RO systems into water purification systems. Uh, they were the first. Then regular middle-class people started buying it after four or five years. That's exactly what's gonna happen with air purification. Air purification's adoption has to start from businesses. Your, your hotels, your office tech parks will have to uh, adopt it first, and then it will trickle down to everyone's lives. So, so that's why I thought that the timing is right for B2B. Let's focus B2B. Once we have a huge scale, we could you know, think about a B2C launch at a later date. Okay, so then you have to make a new product that is a lot cheaper or else businesses aren't going to buy it. Because at the end of the day, their profit is all that you know, really, really matters to sustain the yeah. business. Yeah. How did you go about coming up with a product that's so different and that they will actually be able to afford at scale? Sure. So I realized that you know, most of the realtors make money on a monthly basis. Like we get salaries, realtors get get rent on a monthly basis so it will be way more comfortable for them to pay uh, 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 you know anyone in a monthly basis rather than having a huge capital expenditure they would rather you know pay something like an emi format so that's where you know a SaaS like business model makes so much sense for air purification as well that's why we launch clean air as a service where we charge our customers on a monthly basis so, so this helps them adopt it and, and, and continue the service because they're paying smaller amounts at the largest level. Plus, there's a difference in our service. Mm. The difference is there's complete skin in the game with us. What I mean by that, Arman, is that if, say, in a given month, in the month of July in, in your building, if I'm not able to maintain air quality, you need, need not pay me at all. We guarantee clean air. We're probably the only company in the world that guarantees clean air. These are the things which our customers really, really like. We don't know about any other company in the world that is so confident on the technology and can guarantee. What I'm trying to say is if you buy an air purifier and your air purifier is not able to clean air, will the OEM return you the money? Will they take the purifier back? No, of course not. But if you bring in this kind of confidence, that's, that's where uh, you, know, you get faster adoption. So what was the story after you've, you've come up with this product and you're, you're getting it going? 
yeah. were, were customers just, you know, filing in? Cause it seems like a win-win, you know, for everybody. It's an additional service that, can, that they can offer to their end customers. Like yep. saying, look, we have clean air here. The other yep. hotel down the street doesn't, you should come yep. to us. Yep. And especially for foreigners, I guess that would be huge. Uh, so, so how was the adoption at first and were there any challenges in actually getting the sales done? Yeah. So our product wasn't completely right. Uh, completely ready for the, the kind of uh, places where we were, we were installing it at. There was a lot of learning curve. With hardware, the learning curve is usually longer than a, than a software play because you can just do A and B testing and remove whatever bugs are there in the software. In hardware, it just takes so much more time. So, so uh, it took us way over, you know, 14, 15 months to perfect the product. So in that point of time, we were... Uh, also not actually focusing on a lot of sales because that it wasn't right for us. Uh, we we sell them a, a a product with a lower quality, things would have really, really gone south for us. So, so we realized let's, let's focus on the product, have some sales uh, parallelly, little bit of uh, money coming in and we'll keep on iterating and improving the product. So that's what we've done. Earlier this year, January, we changed our business model from air purification to any business who comes to us. Earlier, we were working with companies like CultFit, Pan India, uh, we're working with a couple of cafes like Blue Tokai, et cetera. But that's when we realized that, you know, we should focus only on centrally air-conditioned spaces like malls and tech parks and, and not look at smaller retail outlets. Because we get a bigger scale and bigger margins, we realize that this, this makes sense. So let's have a pivot. So since January, since we pivoted and now that our product is absolutely, you know, mature, it's, it's ready, we're getting a really, really good, uh, uh, you know, adoption. We're getting a lot of inquiries. And especially because of COVID-19, um, there are very strong tailwinds for us. Let's talk about COVID-19 because, you know, it's obviously, you know, it seems like Bangalore is going back into lockdown and yeah. the whole world is really suffering right now. And one of the major things is we don't know if it's airborne. I don't think it's, it's fully determined yet. And we don't know so much about this virus. Yeah. So what are businesses thinking about this? Are they thinking, you know, this is a huge possible differentiator because we can potentially say that, you know, our place is a little bit safer than the other. So what's COVID-19 been like for you guys? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Alman. So uh, there are a lot of talk around, is, is COVID-19 actually airborne? Uh, there are a lot of scientists who are, who are saying that, yes, air, uh, it is definitely airborne. WHO has also hinted towards it, saying that, there are strong evidence which prove that COVID-19 could actually be airborne. But, but that's for subject market experts. Uh, what, we've, what we've read a lot uh, reports on is that when you, are, when you have multiple people in a floor in a closed system, which does not have a lot of ventilation, say a regular office space where we go to, even if there's some, some person who has, who's actually COVID positive, um, that person is, is, is more than capable of passing, or passing that through air in a closed circulated HVAC room. Because you know the air is being recirculated multiple times before we get fresh air in. So, so it's much easier for the transmission to happen through air uh, in an office sort of an environment or a, or a mall sort of an environment. That's why it's so much more important than ever in, in the history to have air purification in your office spaces or malls. Wow. Wow. So that's, that's awesome to hear that, you know, companies are starting to adopt this because we definitely, definitely need to. And I just want to touch on one thing because I read, uh, I read about you talking about this and I, I heard it in an interview 
that you said the team is so important to building a business. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how you built a strong team and how do you know if, you know, the person I'm interviewing is actually going to be someone who turns out to be a good long-term player for the team. So talk about the crucial role of a team and how you go about actually building it. Sure. So Arman, if you have a, you know, a big dream, uh, if you know it, it is going to have a huge impact, you need to have A plus team, right? You need the A team, right? Otherwise it's just going to be a tough job, tougher job, or you're never probably going to achieve that. That's why we always stress on the team a lot. Uh, there is no way that you can understand the person you're interviewing if, if he or she will be the right fit or not. And there's a lot of try and error that happens. Um, it, it's not an easy answer, especially when you're an early stage uh, company, you don't have a lot of money, you can't give a you know, market salary. That point of time, it becomes even more difficult. That's why early stage founders like us actually um, go through a lot of pain to hire you know, people, uh, good people. That's why we look into our network. We try and get some references. That's why we try and speak with people who, who we know, who might be interesting, whose who's, um, you know, positives and negatives you are aware of to a certain extent, whom you understand that you can you know, work with or would you love working with them. Or they'll make the right community. They'll make the right sort of culture in the company. So, so that's why you look at your first or second sort of a network people and then try and understand if they are the right fit. It's, there's no easy answer. It's, it's, it's just very, very difficult. It's probably the most difficult job uh, of a founder to, to make the right team. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, for example, my co-founder who joined us a little later is, is my school friend. We've known each other since we were in class five. So I've known him for a very long time. So it was easier for me to you know, trust and, and get him on board and give him a senior role. Similarly, other people as well. We try to get people from, from, from our own circle. Wow. Yeah, I think that's, that's really, really cool advice. And I, I just want to ask you one thing, you know, you have, since you left college, you've, it seems like you've always pursued what you wanted to. And like you said, it's, it's, you cannot perform at something that you feel is not something that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So can you, can you talk about that attitude and, and what you think about like other people, if, if they're, you know, in a potential, they're working for a company that they don't enjoy, or they're starting their own business that they don't enjoy what's like some advice you'd give to them to just you know get going on what you want to do i think deep down if we if we give it some time or thought we all know what we enjoy what what we really really like um so so my simple advice would be if if possible try and do it full time um there are there are a lot of hobbies where people can't can't do it full time obviously um but those are just difficult situations you know life calls that you have to do but, but if you're starting up, you should really, really be in love with it. Otherwise, your next 10 years is going to be hell and you're not going to enjoy it. So if you're starting up, you better be in love with the idea. Awesome. Awesome. And actually, I'm just thinking off of that. How did you find, how does someone find what they love? Is it just like, you know, you think by yourself or it's just something that, you know, like you said, you were in an Ola cab and you said this air isn't good. So yeah. how do you think, you know, one goes about it? So, so it was hitting me in different angles. My dad was very unwell. He was, he was admitted in the hospital. I was feeling it multiple times in a day in Bangalore, which has, which has relatively better air quality than other cities in India. So I, I realized that this is actually a big problem. And I feel it. And I understand it. I want to do something about it. So, so I was very driven by the motive of it, by the overall impact we can actually have if, if we are successful in what we're trying to do. 
um, that was that was strong enough for me to you know quit my job and do it full time. And because initially you are going going to do so many mistakes, the the overall market market dynamics can change. Um, you will hire the wrong people. You know, investors will not invest. Uh, a lot of good employees will not join even after saying yes. Customers will not convert even after saying yes. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs, right? You will not survive if you're not in love with it. Awesome, Ayush. I think that is a great place to wrap up. That's a really good takeaway that people can go ahead with because, you know, there's a lot of people that do it, are doing stuff they may not enjoy. So I completely agree with you. Go after whatever you're looking for. And Ayush, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you love what you do and that's why you're good at it. <laughs> Thanks man, I really really appreciate that. And thank you to everybody for tuning into this podcast. If you're new here, make sure to leave a subscribe that'd be really awesome. We release new podcasts on startups that are making an impact in India every single week.